from WUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Taylor Burnett. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, an art exhibit at the Kennedy Arts Center presents the work of black women at the intersection of Black History Month and Women's History Month. I think the museum has done a really good job on bringing our community in. And so one of the opportunities there was, was how do we continue the conversations about diversity in art. And PassionWorks celebrates 25 years, hoping for a bright future for the Inclusive Art Studio. We, we want other communities to see this as normal. Like I love kids who grew up here in Athens and they think that every community has a PassionWorks-like space. These stories and more, right here on The Outlet. 25 years of creating art and sharing joy in Athens. WUB reporter Andre Norrells went to PassionWorks anniversary celebration to find out what the art studio means to the community. PassionWorks supporters enjoy food and music while celebrating the studio's quarter century milestone. You know, we knew about the PassionWorks 25th anniversary and there is no way we weren't getting tickets. It felt like New Orleans came to Athens for the Mardi Gras party as attendees danced to live music while showing their love for the art studio. The artwork that comes out of that enterprise is nothing short of fabulous. Look at our cute little logo. We've had the same logo for 25 years. The creator of PassionWorks was moved, seeing the community show up to the celebration. To see each other and then to celebrate the artists and what the studio has done and to do it dancing was amazing. Patty Mitchell started the art studio in 1998 with the goal of creating a workshop where people with or without developmental differences can make art together. I expected it to be big. I did. I saw it early on. The studio is now a nonprofit and a cornerstone in Athens, creating art for plenty of local events and organizations. Oh, these drawings are 25 years old. While creating and selling artwork with the original idea of passion works in mind, Mitchell uses some of the profit to help other communities make their own passion works. We we want other communities to see this as normal. Like I love kids who grew up here in Athens and they think that every community has a passion works like space and I'm like someday. While the celebration has come to an end, Mitchell plans to keep creating a safe place for everyone while still making art. For the outlet, I'm Andre Norris. An author whose book inspired the Netflix series Made spoke to crowds at local schools. Chloe G. Workman reports the discussion hit close to home. Distance ourselves from stories of hardship, and as a defense mechanism, we distance ourselves from people who live in poverty. When Stephanie Land wrote her memoir, Made, Hard Work, Low Pay, and A Mother's Will to Survive, she did not expect it to touch so many people across the country, but the effects of the book have found its way into the hearts of Southeast Ohio. The Grover Lecture Series through the Department of Health Sciences and Professions decided to invite her to speak, amongst other panelists. The lecture series is used as a tool to inform the Athens community about various different issues, and this year, the theme was poverty. Well, I think that, you know, the, the, 
the blanket of poverty, I mean, is obviously across the nation, and Stephanie, in her memoir, does a really good job of articulating the challenges that she had, but, you know, it's different in every geographical region, and so I think we, we as a committee thought it was really important that we have local experts um, and local people who have some lived experience around poverty to speak to the issues here locally. Um, the series had two separate viewing locations at Walter Hall and Athens High School. They also had a virtual option on Zoom, which had over 430 viewers. One of the panelists, Karen Deardoff, felt Land's story resonated with her. And the people who say, Stephanie mentioned, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, I'm here to tell you you can't do it by yourself. This is a message that many residents in Southeast Ohio are familiar with, and panelist Jack Freck, a former social worker, has experience with it. When I read this book, my first thought was, I've heard this story a thousand times. I mean a thousand times, many thousand times. Uh, this is what poverty in Athens County is about. Her story could have been told by thousands of people today, all over Athens County. For The Outlet, I'm Chloe G. Workman. The new exhibit at the Kennedy Center of Art intersects Black History Month and Women's History Month. Peyton Simchek reports the creators of the exhibit say they want to spark continued conversation. A newly opened exhibit sparks a conversation about art and diversity. The Centering Black Artists exhibition hopes by intentionally showcasing black artists, it will bring their art into a new light. Vibrant paintings, sculptures, and photographs fill a room in the Kennedy Museum of Art at the Ridges. Everything in this room is the work of black artists. It is the first time the museum brought together people from both the university and community to help curate the Centering Black Artists exhibition. Student Senate President Dana Shoulders is one of those people. Shoulders says she's excited for the community building that can come of this. I think the museum has done a really good job on bringing our community in. And so one of the opportunities there was, was how do we continue the conversations about diversity in art? The exhibition is full of art with different patterns, textures, colors, and show pieces of history. Shoulders says she enjoyed helping to pick artworks for the program. The group aimed to highlight Black women artists. You know, that last week in February is, um, that intersection between Black History Month and Women's History Month. So I just thought it would be a very great opportunity to kind of have that talk of intersectionality at that time. The Kennedy Museum of Art Registrar Lisa Quinn says that the goal of the museum is to be a teaching tool for university students. And it is something that we think about um, a lot, that we would like to um, make sure that we're showing a, a good representation of, of people in the museum. The exhibition reflected a variety of the community's suggestions. Quinn says the exhibition engaged a lot of students. That's another thing they bring to the table. You know, they bring a freshness. Um, they bring in new ideas. Shoulders says that art is a way to connect people. We're centering conversations about marginalized communities in a way that's genuine. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Peyton Simchek in Athens. An Ohio University program connects local high school students to the world with the help of international students. Reporter Jack Dimmler says the curriculum is based on life experiences. There's no better way of doing that than bringing in guest speakers who know way more about their own culture than I do. In Kirk Crow's social studies class, a group of five guest speakers from all over the world are talking about their home countries. Countries like Malaysia, Thailand, 
Indonesia, and India. The speakers are a part of the Ohio Valley International Council, the outreach arm of Ohio University's Center for International Studies. Dean Osman, a foreign language teaching assistant at OU, talks about his home country of Malaysia. We try to visit more schools, okay, with the hope that um, uh, the students will be more aware of the international ideas of the international identities around the state, especially in Ohio. The speaker series is just one effort from OU to connect local students to the world. We hope that the students will um, maybe have a wider perspective on the world and to realize that the world isn't just um, out there. In the U.S. we tend to be very focused on ourselves and our own country um, and we have to realize we're only five percent of the world's people. That is Catherine Kutcher, the Associate Director of the Center for International Studies at Ohio University. Another global education effort coming out of OU was inspired by the efforts of the OVIC. The associate professor out of the Patton College of Education, Yochan Zhou, says she saw more opportunities. So we, we want to work together to promote diversity and inclusion on campus and also in the community. Joe is working to organize the first global education fairs later this month where K-12 through students can travel to the world by booth. She says these outreach programs not only benefit local students, but international students too. We hope we can, they can improve their sense of belonging in Athens here. Reporting for the outlet, I'm Jack Denler in Albany. The Decorative Arts Center of Ohio brings a cheery springtime exhibit to Lancaster. Peyton Simchek explains how the colors bring in the seasonal spirit. A newly opened exhibit sparks a conversation about art and diversity. The Centering Black Artists exhibition hopes by intentionally showcasing black artists, it will bring their art into a new light. Vibrant paintings, sculptures, and photographs fill a room in the Kennedy Museum of Art at the Ridges. Everything in this room is the work of black artists. It is the first time the museum brought together people from both the university and community to help curate the Centering Black Artists exhibition. Student Senate President Dana Shoulders is one of those people. Shoulders says she's excited for for the community building that can come of this. I think the museum has done a really good job on bringing our community in. And so one of the opportunities there was, was how do we continue the conversations about diversity in art? The exhibition is full of art with different patterns, textures, colors, and showpieces of history. Shoulders says she enjoyed helping to pick artworks for the program. The group aimed to highlight black women artists. You know, that last week in February is um, that intersection between Black History Month and Women's History Month. So I just thought it would be a very great opportunity to kind of have that talk of intersectionality at that time. The Kennedy Museum of Art Registrar Lisa Quinn says that the goal of the museum is to be a teaching tool for university students. And it is something that we think about um, a lot that we would like to um, make sure that we're showing a, a good representation of, of people in the museum. The exhibition reflected a variety of the community suggestions. Quinn says the exhibition engaged a lot of students. That's another thing they bring to the table. You know, they bring a freshness. Um, they bring in new ideas. Shoulders says that art is a way to connect people. We're centering conversations about marginalized communities in a way that's 
genuine. Reporting for the outlet, I'm Peyton Simchek in Athens. Assistant producer Kayla McCluskey sits down with sports director Aiden Crowley and associate sports director Maria Manessi to discuss OU men's basketball ahead of March Madness. There has been a lot of recent news about our Ohio sports team, but let's start with the most recent, which is our hockey team. So Aiden, what can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's been a busy couple days around here, Caleb, in the office, because obviously the hockey team, their end of the season, regular season, just wrapped up this past weekend against Niagara. They had senior night, the whole nine yards, and they just announced, they being the ACHA, just announced their end of the season tournament where OU finished second in the country uh, after a very successful regular season. This was a team that really got it done in regulation. They had two overtime losses later in the year, but for the most part, if they were ending the game in regulation, most more likely than not, they were coming out on top. They finished with 28 wins, again, second in the country. So they have a first-round bye in this end-of-season tournament in Marlboro, Massachusetts, happening in about two weeks. So we're excited to see where Lionel Marone has his team at. I know a lot of those guys over there are very confident with how, with how they're playing down the stretch. Yeah, Aiden, like you mentioned, I just you can see the confidence within the team. Everything's just gelled together as the season has progressed. They've been very successful this season, so it'll be really exciting to see how that'll come together come tournament time. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things are their, their younger players really stepping up. They have a very good freshman class that can get the puck into the net, being Laker Aldridge and Luke Reeves. Those are two players who really have stepped up for this Bobcat team and on senior night we were talking with Marone and he really said like these seniors weren't asked to score they were asked more to be leaders for these underclassmen and the younger players so we'll see how that translate onto the ice come tourney time but like Maria said we're going to be glued into these games coming up of course and another piece of recent news is that our football schedule came out and Maria you have some I guess influence on that currently what would you say about that schedule um, I think that it's definitely very a very interesting schedule. Instead of playing like they did last season, four games on Tuesday night, they're going to only be playing two games midweek, and most of their games will be on Saturday, which I think will be super interesting and beneficial to the team, just being able to be at home on Saturdays, both on the road. It's just going to be, I think, a lot different, but they're also used to playing a lot of Saturday games. So I think it's super interesting how it's structured – um, for this season. Yeah, and I think when you're kind of looking at the whole picture with the MAC, OU is going to look at their schedule, and I think it is somewhat favorable for them if they want to head back to Detroit. They have a week zero game against San Diego State in San Diego, so they get their season started a little bit earlier than most. That would be nice. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that nice. time of year. Yeah, exactly. Why not in sunny San Diego? And Caleb, to your point, two weeks later, they're going to be in Boca Raton, Florida. So wow. they go <laughs> California, Florida, Ohio people were a little jealous of that. Oh, yeah. Um, but even getting kind of more into the details of it they have a bye week uh the week before kent state which is a team that they lost to last year in the regular season and they have a bye week before their game against buffalo which is probably going to be one of the top teams in the mac again so even when you look at their bye weeks they really lucked out on when those were because they're against teams that they probably going to have circled on their calendar to start the season this is a team returning a lot of talent a lot of firepower curtis rourke's going to try and get back to 100 percent sometime soon we'll have to wait and see how his progression goes key thompson 
Bryce Houston on the defensive side coming back, Sam Wiglu's coming back, C.A. Bangura. I mean, this team is looking to make a statement next year, and it's going to start a week earlier. Again, like we said, it's going to start on the 26th of October, and they'll get their season kicked off. So can't wait for that. They also have Iowa State at home. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a, a super, huge game. Yeah, that's the really exciting and interesting one, especially having that at Peden. And last one for you, Caleb, Miami at home on a Saturday. Ooh. So normally that, that Battle of the Bricks is on a Tuesday, so I can't wait to see how Pac Peden's going to get on a Saturday, Saturday night for the Battle of the Bricks. I'm sure that place is going to be rocking. Oh, for sure. And then I saw that we had some MAC action last night for our men's team against Kent State, and you both were actually at the game. Break this down for me. What was going on throughout this game? Um, Ohio started out down 11-2. Kent State went on a big run to open things, and I think once that they were just able to respond, things really got started for them. They unfortunately lost 82-75, to but I think like a lot of different things were shown in that game that really prepares them for the MAC tournament in a week. I just think that that game, it felt like a tournament game the entire time, the atmosphere. Kent State is a tough place to play at. They're undefeated this season there and it really you could really feel that energy throughout and I think Ohio responded and fought really well throughout I just think in the second half Kent State was really able to propel offensively and just Ohio couldn't keep up at times but I think that they played really well against a really tough Kent State team that's one of the top teams in the MAC right now. Yeah, Caleb, it's March, so why not have a little bit, bit of madness last night huh, for the Bobcats? That was a lot of fun. Um, obviously, like Maria said, we're nearing the end of the regular season, so each game feels a little bit bigger, even though it might not necessarily show up in the wins-loss column at the end of the year. You just get that general atmosphere, that vibe. These teams want to go into the postseason with momentum, and like Maria said, once you get toward sort of down to tournament time, it's a game of runs. Ohio went up eight at one point in the second half, and like Maria mentioned, sincere carry in this offense just kind of came to life. Going into the game, he wasn't that effective from behind the arc being sincere carry, and their game plan was to try and make them beat him behind the arc, particularly with sincere carry. They were planning on going under ball screens, and that night he just ended up being hot, and Jeff Fulis just had to give credit to the kind of player that he is. I, that's a fifth-year senior that's been around in that Kent State program, won a lot of games, and that's what your star player, who's a fifth-year, is going to do in those kinds of big situations. So for Ohio, it's about finding who that person is. When stuff's kind of going bad and Kent State's going on that run, who do you kind of look to for a bucket? I think last night, really, it was Jalen Hunter. He had a great game with 14 points, and he was doing it all defensively as well. And then he can just create his own shot from anywhere. He's so fun to watch. But um, going into the tournament, they've obviously picked, some, picked up some wins down the stretch. They have a game against Bowling Green on Friday where they can get back into the win column. So they're going to be hovering around that five seed in the MAC tournament. But I think this team can make some noise given the right circumstances. So with wrapping up, the men's conversation, Maria, what can you tell me about the situation the women's are in now pretty much? Yeah, so the women have been eliminated from the MAC tournament. Um, they now have two games left to wrap up their regular season. They play Miami at home, which will be a big one in the convo, and then they wrap up the regular season against Eastern Michigan on Saturday. And I think really in these final games for them, it's just about – developing kind of the young team they have they've really seen some light in Jay McClure and Yaya Felder just as of late and I think really just developing the young team they have just to wrap things up and currently they're 
six and twenty-one overall, and then four and twelve in the conference. So struggled this season, but I think these final two games being at home will just really kind of finishing off their regular season on a strong note. Hopefully, yeah, like Maria said, they kind of uh, they're already mathematically eliminated from the tournament. So then you kind of ask, well, what more do they have to play for? And I think with a team like this. They have a lot to play for because I think with a lot of teams that you look at the record book and they're six and twenty-one, those teams tend to kind of drift apart. But these players have really gelled together and they've stayed strong together. And so obviously going against Miami Battle of the Bricks in a rivalry game, that's something you gotta play for. And then Eastern Michigan senior night for uh, these players, obviously you want to play for your seniors. So it's going to be something that they can look forward to. These are both teams that they beat earlier in the regular season so that's something that they can look towards as well and then like Maria said getting some momentum for these younger players going into the next year will be huge obviously not the season that Bob Bolden and this squad wanted but a lot that they can build off of for next year obviously Yaya Felder is having a great year and Jay McClure like you mentioned kind of came on towards the end of the season so it's going to be kind of just wrapping up putting a little bow on it and hopefully walking away with something uh, positive to take away from this season. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is produced each week by me, Taylor Burnett, and my assistant producer, Kayla McCluskey. We're edited by Atish Bardia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Enjoy our show? Tell a friend to give us a listen. They can subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. Or find us online at WUB.org. They can also follow us on Twitter at Outlet underscore WUB and Instagram at Newswatch underscore WUB. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio.